0: Good morning, Bucknutters. It is Sunday, September 15th, 2019. I am Dan Rubin. This is another edition of Bucknuts Almost Live. It's my sincere hope that those of you wanting to listen to this podcast at about 10 a.m. Eastern Time on Sunday are doing so right now. Those who waited last week know what I'm talking about. What a wonderful day in Bloomington. The Buckeyes are off to such an impressive 3-0 start of the year. 51-10 over Indiana to improve to 3-0 and 1-0 in the conference. Indiana drops at 2-1 and 0-1 in their Big Ten opener. My impressions to start the show, and then we will get to a trio of wonderful guests. As always, Bill Kuhl will be with us to update us on recruiting. We will then be joined by the people chant, Matt Baxendale, for a vibe on the fandom. First, my impressions, good Lord. This is a really good football team. I had high hopes for the team entering into the season. I always have high hopes. Again, buck nuts, not buck rational observers. Heading into yesterday's game, as people are wont to do, I got a lot of questions of what I thought was going on, what I thought was going to happen, and my response was if the defense comes out and plays like it has been, I don't see any way Indiana stays competitive. I think we're all a little reticent to jump on board with the defense given how we were scarred by last season, but I am ready to jump on board. The defense has been so friggin' good. It's been amazing. There was an early portion of the game where I think Ohio State got their third touchdown and they were able to survive you know, a missed field goal, some other rocky things early. Because the defense is just keeping everybody so much in check, it allows the offense to get rolling. You can go down a ton of names. So there's going to be a lot of credit to go around. Obviously, the scheme cringe. Obviously, the exit of Greg Ciano and Alex Grinch has made a huge impact. Guys are just not missing tackles, and there aren't as many busts. The, the vision of people running free on the opposing team has pretty much gone by the wayside, whereas, as I've said on this podcast before and on the morning five, it felt like last year that happened once every other possession. Chase Young is a freak of nature. I'm not ready to say he's better than the Boses, but, man, he's definitely in their mix and just as dominant a defensive end as we have seen from a physical perspective. Uh, Tyreek Smith went in for him or subbed in that spot a couple spot, a couple times, and you could see the electricity in his rush hopes for him. After hearing this week that the staff really sees him as the next guy to take the top defensive end mantle, Damon Arnett uh, thought yesterday was kind of a microcosm of his career. He's probably been better than we have given him credit for, but uh, given the defense he's been on and the scheme he played in last year, there were a lot of mistakes. I thought he's obviously he played great yesterday at times. I can't stand the, you know, the arm slash. You know, as Urban Meyer said, he's an NFL player. We had Dane Brugler on the show from the athletic NFL draft guru a little before the season, and he pegged Arnett as a second or third round pick. So it's good for Damon that he's enjoying the benefits of sticking around, and he really did look impressive yesterday offensively. Justin Fields, I'll say it again, I don't see a weakness. I'm not saying he's a great player yet. There are no physical weaknesses. He just needs to gain experience. Early on in the game, his throws, obviously, to the right were sailing on him a little bit. There were a few passes he could have completed, but even the commentators mention it when he's out there. He's just a big, strong, athletic guy. He has great vision. What's impressed me, maybe most about him, is his poise. He does not seem to get rattled. From a physical perspective, the way he can spread the field with his arm has been just downright amazing. I thought the offensive line was fantastic. Josh Myers flashed. He seemed bigger to me than the other centers we had. That Miami's burnt offense, he was always pulling and getting out in front. You could see that a couple times yesterday. I thought the O-line overall was spectacular. Obviously, J.K. played one of his better games. He was hitting the hole with ferocity and running strong. His touchdown run where he bounced off a couple dudes I think showed he's at his peak. Master Teague has been the best change-up running back uh, getting north that we've seen. He's even better than I expected. Nothing worse than trying to tackle a bigger, stronger, faster guy after J.K.'s worked on you all day. It does seem like they're forcing the ball to Garrett Wilson a bit. He's one of the few guys you can see they really want to get in there. Ben Victor has been as consistent as ever. I cannot believe how calm he looks out there and how smooth he looks after he was kind of a disjointed guy you couldn't rely on. He now seems to be like the steady old veteran out there, which is just an awesome testament to Ben and the coaching staff. There was literally not one ounce of stress in yesterday's game. I said the same thing about the Cincinnati game in terms of real momentum for the opposition where you felt the game was in danger. We have not felt that yet in any way, though we've been better than the other teams to start up the season recently. There's always been a few plays where you've questioned the overall, I think, outlook for the Buckeyes, given the fact that the defense has been so suspect. That appears to be over with. We'll be right back with a visit from the Dean of Ohio State Recruiting, Bill Kerlick. He's here every Sunday. We cannot be more thankful. The Dean of Ohio State Recruiting joins us, Bill Kerlick. Bill, how are you this fine Sunday? Doing
1: very well here in the uh, capital city. Beautiful day, sun coming up, and uh, uh, just a great day here in Columbus and a great day for the Buckeyes on Saturday, no doubt.
0: Let's take that and run with it, Bill. Your impressions of the Buckeyes after three weeks, three games, I have just been gushing over them for the first 10 minutes of the show. Will you do the same?
1: Yeah, I, I, they're getting better every week, and, you know, that's what you want to do, obviously. Um, uh, yeah, I'm not sure I could say uh, enough good things about how much the defense has improved over last season. I mean, you know, you really expected big plays to happen against Ohio State last year. This year, I don't know about anybody else, but as I watch the games, I don't even worry about big plays happening against Ohio State this year. They're so sound fundamentally, and, you know, the, the job that Jeff Halfley and Greg Madison have done coming in, and obviously Larry Johnson's an icon, but um, uh, Al Washington coming in, and then the special teams have been improved with Matt Barnes. You know, I, I really felt like Ryan Day uh, hit a grand slam in hiring the coaches, he did. And really, it, it is showing on the field this year.
0: I can't remember in following football a unit that has improved that much season over season when the personnel really is largely the same. Sure, there's some differences, but it's been incredible. This is off the top of my head. I'm working on these as I'd like to make these big hyperbolic proclamations. Put in context for me right now from what you've seen Chase Young versus the Bosas. And Jeffrey Okuda versus the Lineage of Corners, the Marshawn Lattimores, the Bradley Robies, the Garion Conleys, the Denzel Wards of the World. Where would you compare to those two to those guys at this point? Mm.
1: Well, you know Chase Young is tremendous, and uh, uh, what he's done to start this season is fabulous. But it's hard for me to put anybody over Joey Bosa right now because Joey Bosa got it done at Ohio State. He was, you know, been on the way to getting it done in the NFL and everything. He, I, you know, they're all great players, but it's hard for me to put anybody over Joey Bosa at this point. And, you know, Jeffrey Okuda, again, he's another one of those guys that just keeps getting better and better. Um, I, you know, obviously, uh, like everybody else, I think uh, you better enjoy both of those guys this year, Chase Young and Jeffrey Okuda, because they're, in my mind, first-round draft choices, uh, hands down, Um you know, quite possibly both of them top half of the first round just tremendous talents and um you know, the highest a secondary the cornerbacks what Jeff Halfley's doing with them it's getting back to where it was with uh Kerry Combs and that's going to prove uh you know very well things are going to go forward with the recruiting of cornerbacks you know you've got Legend Cavazos and and Clark Phillips coming in and uh you know, I expect more in the next class I think uh Jeff has proved himself uh, as a coach so far, and I think that will continue, and he certainly proved himself as a great recruiter.
0: Bill, the trip to Bloomington, obviously no visitors. Bring us up to speed on recruiting, what you expect out of the next week, who has set up visits. I know you got a big story on some weekends coming up. Bring everybody up to speed on this fine Sunday morning.
1: Well, I don't expect, uh, with it being Miami of Ohio, and that's not a knock on Miami of Ohio, it's just that uh, it's not going to be a huge recruiting weekend. Tyrese Hudson's coming in for that game, but overall, it's not going to be a huge recruiting weekend. You know, there's, as I posted my story, um, there's three big home games um, this year, being Michigan State, Wisconsin, and Penn State, and two of them are already filling up as huge weekends, Michigan State weekend um in early October and then Penn State November 23rd. If you look at Penn State going farther out, um the visitor list is already shaping up to be spectacular. Um Elias Ricks and EJ Smith are making official visits that weekend and then you've got some great prospects that are making unofficial visits or uh, are likely very likely to Tomisi, Adelaide defensive end out of Texas is planning to visit that weekend, as is, uh, Bo Collins out of, uh, California will likely visit that weekend. Bryce Steele, uh, an outstanding bullet type prospect, um, that got offered by Ohio State at their camp this past June. Trey an offensive lineman. Uh, JC Latham is a really interesting guy. He's an IMG offensive tackle who had previously been a defensive lineman. He's moved to offensive tackle, and he's done extremely well for for IMG. He's got a chance to be a big-time offensive tackle. Uh, He is likely coming up with legend Cavazos that weekend. So that's going to be a a huge weekend for Ohio State.
0: Bill, we were talking before the show, the best football player in the state of Ohio that does not play for the Buckeyes or the Browns or the Bengals, for that matter, is Jack Sawyer. Already committed to Ohio State. He is putting together literally a legendary high school career on the football field. His uh, junior season so far and a little bit of a position change he's made. Yeah, an interesting story.
1: Um, Pickering North was off to an 0 2 start and definitely not due to any uh, of Jack Sawyer's play. First game, defensive end had five sacks. Second game at defensive end had three sacks. Third game, only had one sack, but there was a good reason. He only played eight snaps on the defensive side of the ball this past weekend. He was playing uh, Adol and Tangie Orange, and as I said, he only played eight snaps on defense because he played quarterback uh, on the other side of the ball. He had never started a game in his life at quarterback, um, but the uh, uh, back the starting quarterback had tweaked – uh, his knee, I believe it was, had a leg injury that um, was not going to allow him to play. It was kind of a game-time decision that the uh, starting quarterback could not go. Jack Sawyer had practiced quarterback one day this past week, and the coach said, well, you know, we need you. Are, are you ready to go? And Jack Sawyer is a heck of an athlete. He's also a heck of a, a teammate. He said, yep, uh, I'm ready. So he started him at quarterback. And it led to the first win of the season for North. They beat Old Tanji Orange 38 to 17. And, and Sawyer, uh, while he didn't throw the ball much, he was a huge factor. He ran for, I believe it was a hundred, about 140 yards approximately, had several touchdowns. He also passed for a touchdown. And if you look at the story I posted on it, um, you watch the video of it. I mean, he is just literally running over would-be tacklers. And, you know, the plan now is to keep him at quarterback, but that he'll ease back in, play more and more on defense. He feels like by the second half of the season he'll be playing – uh, pretty much all the time, both sides of the ball. Uh, certainly, you know, he, I guess you are a little have a little concern that maybe he could get hurt playing quarterback, but he's going to do what uh, the coach wants him to do and what's going to help his team. And it definitely came up big this past weekend. He helped them get their first win.
0: Jack Sawyer sounds like a man after Bill Kerr. With Hunt always doing what it takes to help the team. Bill, I appreciate it. Have a great Sunday, brother.
1: You too. Take care.
0: Good luck to your Browns.
1: It can't can't get any worse. That was horrible. We'll see.
0: We'll be back with the People's Champ, Matt Baxendale. There's no better time to have on the People's Champ, than after a performance like that, we are pleased to be joined by Matt Baxendale. Bax, how goes it?
2: Well, after yesterday, pretty darn good. Uh, I don't know how good I'd feel if I was a Big Ten fan of most of the other programs, but being a Buckeye fan right now, you're in a really good
0: spot. And we will get to the Big Ten as we are wont to do with the people's champ backs. I talked about it. Bill Curlick talked about it. I'm running out of hyperbole here. The team looks so much more crisp than it did in the past, especially on defense. Your impressions of the Buckeyes three games in and what went down yesterday?
2: Well, what I put into the staff roundtable on Friday was is that I wanted to see OSU go to Indiana and to put it pretty simply, not mess around. It would be really easy for a younger team with a first-year head coach to go to Bloomington and mess around and come out of there with like a 45-28 win that wasn't pretty, but okay, they got the job done. They didn't do that. They went out to Indiana and bludgeoned the Hoosiers, and it it was never really close. This was the kind of game where this team – one of the things I think we've all sort of become accustomed to the last few years, unfortunately, is that we're always worried about the letdown game. When is the team going to have a letdown? And so when they have these games against these teams that they're better than, you want to see how much focus they have on the game. You want to see how how much attention they have, how much discipline they have, because if they don't have those items, then that may be a sign of the team eventually having one of those letdowns down the line. We didn't see that all yesterday. Ohio State was disciplined again when it came to penalties. Ohio State, their defense gave up, what, five rush yards in the first half? Uh, I think it was 30-3 to three at one point before Indiana got their, their lone touchdown that the first-team defense has given up the whole year. And honestly, even during garbage time, this whole team had a different attitude. This is not two straight weeks where in garbage time, a mix of the first- and second-team defense was on the field in the defensive red zone, and they forced a turnover, preventing the other team from getting a score that would have made the game look quote closer. Last week, Cincinnati was driving to try to get to something on the board, so they didn't get shut out. Tough ball ended the pick. This week, it was the interception by Damon Arnett when the Buckeyes were were up 44 to 10. Right, 44 to 17 or 44 24 doesn't look as good as 44 to 10 or even better 51 to 10. It's like there's a collective pride from the defense this year that they're trying to prove to everybody it's such a different team. And candidly, all these little things adding up, I haven't even mentioned the special teams yet, make me have so much confidence in this team. And I know Indiana's probably a five or six win team at best. Florida Atlantic stinks. And Cincinnati's good, but, you know, they're they're not going to be nearly as good as the top caliber of opponents OSU plays. But, man, this, the little things through three games have me confident beyond all belief because it seems like they're doing everything right. And a lot of this seems like it's going to carry over against better opponents.
0: Your thoughts on some individuals that flashed yesterday?
2: Well, two straight weeks for J.K. Dobbins. I mean, we we can start with the obvious on offense, is that I think J.K. Dobbins had an exceptional game. Uh, He had a number of long runs. He broke numerous tackles. He's showing way more power than I expected him to. Uh, this, This isn't the same lightning bug, J.K. Dobbins. Sure, he's got all that movement and everything, but he's driving people backwards. That's something he really hasn't done much in the past, so that's a real credit to him. But what, you know what's scary is is that Master Teague looks like a stud himself. That long 40-yard run, I mean, he blew by guys. You could see his speed. And he had 100 yards rushing as well. So you got to give a lot of credit to these tailbacks. But you know why these tailbacks were so strong was that there were numerous plays where the O-line just mauled Indiana. I mean, when your push is three, four yards downfield, of course you're going to get rushing yards. It's, it's just not even a thing. So I think the stars of the game yesterday were up front on the offensive line. Um, then defensively, look—we all know how good Chase Young is. We know how good that defense in general is. Sean Wade is awesome. Like people talk about Jeff Okuda, and rightly so, because you know he's the stud player on that defense. He's tackling really well. He's covering at a very high level. Uh, Sean Wade could be a first rounder in his own right. And then that whole secondary is tackling so well. The whole defense is. Don't get me wrong. This is such a better tackling Buckeye team than we saw last year. But the the the, the secondary is willing to come up and hit people. And there was a couple of plays yesterday that Indiana lost yardage on where they tried going wide, where it was Wade or Okuda coming up and lighting a guy up a yard behind the line of scrimmage and preventing any sort of gain whatsoever. So those guys deserve a ton of credit. Now, I will say this. This was a game that was interesting because we finally saw a little bit of growing pains from Justin Fields. And relatively speaking, these are growing pains. He still didn't turn the ball over, right? But he threw some incompletions on balls that were over people's heads. He had a couple guys wide open that he just missed. And OSU was just so good yesterday that it didn't matter. But it was good to see him get a little bit of adversity. There's going to be a lot on the film that Ryan Day is going to be able to use as a teaching moment for Justin Fields. And so, sure, he, he, he didn't play most of the second half. And, you know, he still ended up passing for three touchdowns and scoring a fourth. But you could see there's some things for him to work on and improve. And that's a good thing, especially when you have a game coming up next week against Miami of Ohio that will be over by halftime. Uh, You want Justin Fields to work out some of these kinks before you go to Nebraska in two weeks.
0: Yeah, I've said enough good stuff about Fields to last me a lifetime already in terms of his talent level. There are some growing pains, but I don't see any weaknesses long-term from a physical perspective. He's got that John Elway butt, too, man. He's just thick. He's bigger than other dudes out there. The first tackler is a pylon to him. On third and short, I was catching myself saying, just run it, flashing back to my Braxton Terrell days. They're going to get so much praise over the next few weeks. I really hope they can keep it in check. Let's take a look around the Big Ten. I was going to look around nationally, but you know, there really nothing caught my eye yesterday in terms of impactful stuff, whereas I thought the Big Ten was, again, a very interesting day. Let's start with Penn State. Pitt, did you watch the game? You're a Pennsylvania native. Your thoughts? Yeah, both my
2: parents are Pitt grads. So I was watching that one with quite the large amount of interest. And i tell you what, Penn State is, they have some really good athletes. They're one of those programs you can tell that they have the talent, but you really don't know if the program culture is there because Pitt played them really tough, don't get me wrong. But Pitt had no running game right? And Pitt's defense, candidly, this is the same Pitt defense that gave up a ton of points to Virginia two weeks ago. Penn State could only muster out 17 points. Not a good sign. Um, and if Pitt hadn't been dumb and gone for a field goal that they missed from the one-yard line, this game could have been a very different affair. I think the, the truth is, is that Penn State's good, not great this year. They're going to win nine. But at least it was a win for the Big Ten against the uh, ACC opponent because the rest of the league did not do that well.
0: I said before the season, I believe this is Mark Cantonio's last season in East Lansing. Yesterday, Michigan State lost to Arizona State in embarrassing fashion. A game-time field goal was nullified by having a 12th man on the field. That's illegal. Michigan State plays a stale brand of football. Your thoughts?
2: Well, that was a game straight out of 1966, wasn't it? I mean, Arizona State had to score with 50 seconds left to go up 10 to 7. And after the game, all D'Antonio wanted to complain about was the officiating for reviewing correctly that his team had too many players on the field. How about you review the fact that your offense stinks, Dino? you got this really good defense, and you're wasting it because you have a terrible offense run by Jim Bowman. And your quarterback, Brian Lewerke, who everybody wanted to pretend was really good this summer, isn't and hasn't been. You know, he is what he is that simple. He's not a good quarterback. And that offense is never going to allow anybody to make a play because they always run the same predictable stuff up the middle. It's classic Bowman. I think you're going to end up seeing with Michigan State this year. Uh, one of those teams, I, I didn't understand why they were ranked to start the year, to be honest. I didn't. Uh, I, I I remember having this conversation with you over the summer and we were both like, yeah, seems like Sparty's sort of hit its ceiling and dropped back down a little bit. And I know a lot of people who think that once Antonio gets that wins record, that he's going to quietly move on as the official greatest coach in Michigan State history. The program's not recruiting even as well as it used to. It seems like that the last couple of years they've lost some games they shouldn't have. Uh, I'll just say it. I think that that's if there's one job you're going to see Luke Fickle leave Cincinnati for, it could be Michigan State. So just keep an eye on that situation there. But Michigan State's a team. Look, they have a good defense. And I'm sure their defense will be good enough for them to lose 30-7 to to Ohio State in a couple weeks. I mean, their offense sucks. That's why they lost that game. Plain and simple. Nothing else.
0: Iowa retained a shred of PR value for the Big Ten with the win 18-17 over Iowa State on the road. Actually, a pretty quality win for Iowa. Iowa State has a decent reputation. But the game I want to talk about, Maryland going out of its way to prove its counterfeitedness, 17-20. Yeah, Temple. that was...
2: Like, like, talk about a terrible game. I mean, Maryland's first two weeks, they came out like world beaters. Uh, they scored 140 points. And then they, they only scored 17 against Temple. I mean, they lost to Temple last year, and that was with an interim coach, and everybody assumed that that was the end of the day. Look, this is the Mike Loxley I was expecting to see at Maryland when they hired him. Like, let's face it, Loxley's always been the guy who could recruit really well and never really had a lot of success, like, coaching, as especially as the head coach. Remember, he had, what, a 3-31 and record or something like this before he started this year? So, those first two weeks, like, Maryland, like, jumped out and we're all like, oh, my God, what is this? Is this, like, a new Oregon in the East? Like, what just happened here, right? We have no Like, we're all very interested to see what happened with Maryland. And I honestly was really looking forward this Friday to watching Penn State at Maryland because I'm like, man, Penn State hasn't been that impressive to me. I wonder if Maryland's going to be able to give them a game. Well, maybe Maryland was thinking the same thing, and their players were looking ahead to the Penn State game. But they totally sleepwalked past Temple. Uh, they they got stopped on fourth and goal twice uh, on running plays, and it just it showed us that Maryland is uh, capable, maybe, of having good games. But they certainly didn't have one against Temple, and that's a black eye for the Big Ten because that again Maryland was a team that the country was starting to pay a lot of attention to, like like ooh, what is this? What is this fun new toy we found? And then the toys' batteries die and it falls off the table and breaks and nobody cares about it anymore. That's Maryland football now.
0: couple minutes left. As of right now, your four playoff teams. Well, that's an easy one. Uh, Clemson, because nobody's going to – like,
2: Trevor Lawrence through three games has been downright mediocre, and it hasn't mattered because the ACC is just that much trash. Like, we, we said the Big Ten had a bit of a rough day yesterday. But guess what? The ACC is way worse. I mean, they're a dumpster fire. Uh, so I'd say Clemson's certainly in. I, I don't know how Clemson come, has a game this year in the ACC that's within two touchdowns. Um, every major advanced statistic that you see from all these different services say that they're three touchdowns better than everybody in the ACC. So Clemson for sure. Um, I think Oklahoma is going to come out of the Big 12. Uh, it kind of sucks that they have to beat Texas twice in all likelihood, but I think that Jalen Hurts is certainly having a, an exceptional year there. Uh, in the SEC, I think Alabama is a bit vulnerable. Every time you watch them, they're good. They're not great. So my pick out of the SEC right now is Georgia. But I reserve the right to change it to LSU at some point. But I do think this is the year Bama is officially uh, not going to make the playoffs. And then finally, I'm picking Ohio State to make the playoff. And candidly at this point, of the games that I've watched, um, and let, Alabama hasn't really played anybody of note, so it's hard to know really about them. Same for Georgia. But if you compare the way Clemson's playing this year, it reminds me a lot of the 2015 OSU team that was super-duper talented, but that kind of was sleepwalking through things at times. And I watched Oklahoma. I think they're perfectly good with Jalen Hurts, but this OSU team is perfectly capable of shutting them down. Right? I don't know the same thing about Oklahoma's defense can be said. Right now, I haven't seen anybody who can beat Ohio State. So, you know, I, I think that this is a this is going to be a fun year. But right now, I'm going to go with Georgia, Clemson, Oklahoma, and Ohio State as my four as of today.
0: I think that's fair. I think Ellison's is also in the mix. Having watched them last night, what was funny was they remind me of Ohio State last year. And that, by the way, Joe Burrow looks amazing. If you have not seen highlights of that game, go to YouTube and watch that nine-minute thing that they do. Joe Burrow is on point and is going to make himself some real money next year. But um, they're like Ohio State, and that LSU is prone to the bust. Northwest, whatever Louisiana small school in the Bayou, did, you know, was competitive because of a couple broken covers. It reminded me of watching the Buckeyes play last year. But
2: the Bobby Boucher school
0: is that the Mud Dogs who they were playing last night? I wasn't quite sure what was going on with LSU in that one. <laughs> Yeah, the Mud Dogs put up a decent fight, but uh, Jumpin' Joe was up to the challenge. We appreciate back stopping by. Have a great Sunday, brother. Thanks, Dad. We bring in beat writer extraordinaire Pat Murphy. Pat, how goes it? Good, good. How are you doing? Real well. You were there. Um, talk about yesterday. That was our first road test for the Buckeyes in the Big Ten. I don't think anybody thought Indiana was going to win the game, but we've been reticent to give Ohio State the full amount of credit. Are you fully sold on the Buckeyes now?
3: I'm certainly starting to get there, and uh, I'm not sure you can call that a road test given the amount of Ohio State fans that were there, especially in the second half. Uh, You know, it was confusing at times when you'd hear the cheering when referees made calls because it was almost like an Ohio State home game, which is always cool to see on the road. But, uh, in terms of the game on the field, it was uh, another, you know, complete demolition from Ohio State. Offensively, um, the team moved the ball with, you know, relative ease. They did it a different way this week. Less Justin Fields through the air, more J.K. Dobbins and Master Teague, which which was the surprising part. Um, defensively, the, the defensive line continues to be dominant, led by Chase Young, who had two sacks. Um, the young guys – um, Zach Harrison got his first sack. A few other freshmen got involved. Especially late in the game, um, the, the secondary was was as good as advertised. Obviously, the pick six by Damon Arnett highlights that, but just another complete performance, really kind of building each week, I think, um, which is what you want to see a team do, especially a team where we came in with some question marks. How would the quarterback be? How would the defense look with, with four new staff members? So this team is really impressing me. I think, uh, you know, if there were any questions coming into the season, I think they've answered those pretty solidly so far. And, you know, there will be definitely tougher tests. Like you said, Indiana is not going to be the most difficult team they play. But that's a Big Ten team, a 2-0 and o team that had done well in its first two games. So these first two weeks have, have gone well for Ohio
0: State. Last year's offense was uh, much different, obviously, with the quarterback being a traditional pocket passer, but it was effective. This year's offense is doing it a different way, and it's effective. The differences on the defense is just literally night and day. Having talked to the guys after the games now, are they expressing any surprise at how well they've played? No. Um, I think that they saw this coming. I think they knew,
3: especially defensively, that it was possible to be this good last year. Obviously, you look at the recruiting rankings um, of the defensive players, they should be playing this well. They should have been playing this well last year. And, you know, they don't want to talk about last year, but I think it's pretty obvious that, that the scheme was was not right for the players on the field, and, and the new defensive staff has figured that out. Offensively, I think the talent is there as well. Justin Fields is different than uh, Dwayne Haskins, but he's he's been just as, if not more so, effective. Um, you know, I think he's one of the top – Touchdown quarterbacks in the country so far. He's doing it with his arms and his legs. He scored the opening touchdown rushing every week for Ohio State, which is something Dwayne Haskins obviously didn't do. But seven points is seven points. Um, J.K. Dobbins said all off season that you know he could be the bell cow back, and he felt last year he was out of rhythm with Mike Weber. He's proven that these first three weeks, um, and you know they talked about needing depth at at running back. Master Teague steps up. You know you lose three senior wide receivers. Well. Insert Benjamin Victor, Chris Olave, Austin Mack and K J Hill who's now a senior himself. So it's uh it's just been next guy up for, for anybody who left and, and they've really kind of stepped in and, and you know, handled um anything that, that was a question this off season and I think, like I said before, I don't think they're surprised. I'm a little bit surprised with how seamlessly it's gone. Um but you know, maybe I shouldn't have been. Maybe we should have listened a little closely during the
0: off season. Yeah, I think what you're seeing here is a combination of a lot of stuff, obviously the new staff and new coaches. But we also forget that last year at this time, Ohio State was embroiled in some of the most silly, drama, high, you know, off-the-field crap that probably distracted the team. Urban was a rock star coach but had become, a, you know, a fulcrum of attention, and it wasn't positive attention a lot of the time. So I think it's just a much easier approach to things less stress surrounding the guys, and then obviously the new coaching has helped. As I look at the schedule here, though, next week, I mean, having watched the Cincinnati-Miami game yesterday, I don't think it's realistic to expect Miami to put up much of a fight. Then you got a four-game stretch, which is going to be really interesting, of at Nebraska, home for Michigan State, at Northwestern, and home for Wisconsin. But as I look at those three teams, Wisconsin's really the only team that's played well. How do you view the next month for the Buckeyes? Where do you see the biggest challenges? And I think you'd agree that Miami's just going to be a pylon.
3: Yeah, Miami should be your you know, your typical non-conference, put up 60, 70 points and, and get the starters out at halftime game. If it's not, then I think we're going in the wrong direction. Uh, but Nebraska, I still think, will be very interesting. They haven't looked good, but having Ohio State at home, I, I think that's a game that they've had circled, especially given what Ohio State's done to them in recent years. Last year's game was obviously closer. But that's going to be a, you know, a, a tough task, I think. Um, I, feel, I still think Ohio State can win that one, just given that Nebraska isn't what people hype them up to be. Michigan State will be interesting. That's a very good defense. I don't think they'll be able to hang with Ohio State offensively. As we saw yesterday, they, they struggle to move the ball, but they still play well defensively. That will be the biggest test, I think, for Ohio State in terms of where this offense is. It'll be Justin Fields' first real test. Fortunately, that's at the horseshoe, and I think that'll uh, that'll help Northwestern is difficult because of the schedule. You know, you change, you play on a Friday night, so you change kind of your whole groove of that week. Now, if these guys are the, the pros that aren't really pros that they claim to be, that shouldn't be a problem. But, you know, you you get a football player out of it, out of his rhythm, then, you know, you never know how, what the results are going to be. And then Wisconsin obviously has, has looked great. They'll be tested next week against Michigan, maybe. Um, But that, that's probably the biggest of the four. So, this next month will tell us a lot about Ohio State and, and that's what it should be as we enter Big Ten play. I think this team, just you know, like we talked about at the beginning, with what they've shown here, they should be able to handle it. I'm I'm gaining confidence that this team is is really a national powerhouse. Um but not only will it test the players, I think it'll test Ryan Day. You know, we we haven't seen him kind of go through a gauntlet. We you know, we only have six games of, of him as a head coach and, and three of those were last year's the interim went Really the toughest test he saw was TCU, and you may argue that that's still the toughest test he's faced, and, and obviously those those guys didn't turn out to be too great. So I, I think we'll really learn a lot about this team. I'm confident that they can make it through unscathed, but uh, it'll definitely be a test here in the, the next month or so heading into November.
0: No question, they've been impressive. It's been a fun ride so far. I am really looking forward to that Michigan-Wisconsin game next weekend. That is going to be super interesting. Ohio State's going to step off the national radar here for about 13 or 14 days, which actually isn't a terrible thing. It's been a fun ride so far. We hope they can keep it up. We appreciate Pat taking time out of a Sunday morning. Have a good one, Bucknutters.